What's up? Welcome to this week's sermon podcast of Living Word Pretoria East. Here, you can listen to our latest weekly sermon for your spiritual growth. We believe that this message will really bless you. Are you ready for the word? Come on. And we know we need to lean into the word and you guys can get some soaking music ready for us. And I want to share a bit of heart and a bit of vision and, and things that I believe that the Lord is speaking to us in the season. We, we, we built something. Amen. Okay, come on. Are you guys awake? All right. We are building something and we have to take care on how we build. All right. We have built houses before. Come on, a couple of you. And when you build, you know that you start with plans and all these things, but then there's a foundation. And you have to build the foundation. You have to lay the foundation. And from there, you need to take care. And maybe drop it a little bit for me. Thank you. Then you need to take care on how we build. Amen? And building sometimes, not a quick process, but, but you're not frustrated when you lay the first and the second and the third brick, is it? Because you have a picture, you know where you're going. Come on. You know where you're going. So you have an end product in mind and you see something so you don't get tired because of just being halfway there. There's frustrations and there's challenges and sometimes things come up and you're like, oh, we have to improvise or make a plan and, and do certain things. But, but you have an end picture in mind. So I want to create and paint an end picture for you in mind so that you understand where we're going. But you know the principle, as we said, wisdom, uh, Proverbs 24, verse 3 says, By wisdom a house is built. Amen. And by understanding it's established. So we need wisdom in what we do. And we need understanding in, in how we go about and what we do. So uh, I've, I've, I've got some scripture for you today. Praise God, it's only a third of the Bible. Not the whole Bible today. So uh, I said to Vainan when he loaded the scriptures, don't get a fright. It's going to go quick because we're going to read it, all right? But, but I want to paint a picture and, and get you. So, so let's jump right into it. Haggai uh, chapter 1 from verse 1. And I'm going to read fast so that we just get the context. Amen. So in the second year of Darius the king, in the sixth month, on the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet to Zerubbabel, the son of Sheatil, the governor of Judah. Is it, am I too fast? Is it okay? All right. The son of Jehoshadak, the high priest. Thus says the Lord of hosts, these people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. Then the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet. Is it time for yourselves to dwell in paneled houses while this house lies in ruins? Now therefore thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. And he says it twice, consider your ways. Listen to what he says, what do we consider? Have you sown much? but harvested little. Have you eat, but never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You clothe yourself, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages does so, put them into a bag with holes. I don't know who of you feels like that. You know, you eat, but never satisfied it. You get your money, but it's like there's a hole in it and all these things. Thus says the Lord, and he says again, consider your ways. Come on, tell somebody, consider your ways. Go up to the hills, bring wood, and build the house, that I might take pleasure in it, and that I may be glorified, says the Lord. You look for much, and behold, it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why? 
declares the Lord of hosts, because my house that lies in ruins, while each of you busies himself with his own house. Therefore the heavens above you have withheld the dew, and the earth has withheld its produce. I have called for a drought in the land and the hills on the grain, the new wine, the oil. Remember agricultural, so they always speak in terms of blessings of wine, oil, grain, these things. And he says, I've withhold it on what the ground brings forth, man and beast and all these that labor. Verse 12, then Zerubbabel, son of Sheatil, Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord and the words of Haggai the prophet and the Lord their God had sent them and these people feared the Lord then Haggai the messenger of the Lord spoke to the people and said I am with you declares the Lord and the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel let's keep that and the son and the high priest and all the spirit of the remnant of the people and they came and worked on the house of the Lord of the host their God and on the 24th day of the month, in the sixth month, in the second year of Darius the king. So here we have a background. We're going to go now to chapter 2. Luckily, there's only two chapters. But then it says that, that they were busy building their own houses. Remember, they were, they were exiled and they were slaves. And Nehemiah gets this unction about the, the walls, the city walls that's in the ruins. And they go back to rebuild, but there's different teams. One building the city walls. And one was supposed to rebuild the temple. So they're rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. And remember that ambidextrous, that is a time where, where they had to build and fight and had trowel in one hand and sword in the other. So they were busy rebuilding. But God says, you're building this and you're building your own houses, but my house lays in ruins. So they couldn't be blessed because the priorities was wrong. First seek the kingdom of God. Come on. And then all the other things will come. So God speaks to them and he says, there's a problem. And the, the way you're struggling or the reason is because you, you're focusing on your own little things instead of building a house that I can come and visit you. And I love when they did that now, so they obey. So Zerubbabel comes and they start building. He gets the team. By the word of the Lord, the spirit is stirred up and they get zeal and they start building the house of the Lord. They go and collect the materials. And after they've built Haggai 2, in the seventh month, on the 20th day of the month, the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai, the prophet, and he says, Speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Sheatil, the governor, and Joshua, the son of Jehoshadak, and to all the remnant, and say, Who is left among you who saw this house in its former glory? Remember, the temple was there. Solomon built a temple. They saw the glory. The word says that the world came and no one they were amazed. It speaks about uh, that they took the breath away, everything that they saw in the kingdom. So if you come from a kingdom and you have everything and you come to a place and that's breathtaking, how marvelous is that not? And they come and it says that, that who saw the former glory and how do you see it now? It is not as nothing. Is it not as nothing in your eyes? Because it's not that great. They're thinking it's great because there's a new generation that couldn't, they didn't see the temple as former. But the old men were crying because they knew the former glory. And they knew and it says, is this not nothing in your eyes? Now be strong, declares the word of the Lord. And he says, for I am with you, declares the Lord. And according to the covenant that I made with you when you came out of Egypt, 
my spirit remains in your midst. Fear not. For thus says the Lord, once more, a little while I'll shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. I will shake all nations so that the treasures of the nations shall come in. And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine. The gold is mine, declares the Lord of hosts. And the latter glory of this house shall be greater than the former glory. And this place I will, and, and in this place I will give peace, declares the Lord of hosts. Come on. Nearly 400 years after Solomon you know, built a temple for the Lord the first time and he filled it with his glory, it was destroyed by the Babylonians. And through God's grace, he permitted Israel yet again after exile, there were 70 years in exile, to go back and restore and rebuild something. But they neglected to build the house of the Lord. They were focusing on their own lives, to rebuild their own lives. Now, I don't know if you've gone through many things and, and you've been flat out, nothing. You want to rebuild your life, isn't it? Because some of the basic instincts is that water, bread, food, all these things that we want to survive. So we immediately want to build that. But he says that, hey, you've neglected the house of God and the temple. And Haggai comes and he challenges the people to make God's house a priority again. And he says, actually, you're living under a curse because you've neglected God's house. Now, what we do is, yes, we're building God's house. And, and hopefully we can physically build as well. Amen. But that's not God's house. That's just the building because we are God's house. Amen. And he calls them to prioritize God's house and to see the blessing of God in this and what God wants to do. And I want to see that, that we can see the fruitfulness and the fullness of God in our lives and what God wants to do. When we build, God, when, when we build God's house, God says, then I promise to come and build your house. All right? I will build yours. When we honor God, he says that I will come and I will bless you in return. It's principles. There he says, all the silver and all the gold is mine. And I will shake the nations and I will gather it. Because they needed materials. And we don't do this to get a blessing. Come on. We do this because we want to be a blessing. We are called to be a blessing. So we don't do this to, to get a blessing. That's just by default, you're going to get a blessing. But we do this because we want to be a blessing to the nations. Amen. So where's God's house? Where's God's house? Come on. Right here. Amen. So God is not in a building, but we need buildings. We need facilities. We need, you know, are you not glad that when it rains, you've got a roof over your head when we sit and we worship and all these things, isn't it? So it's to make things work. It's to, to help us to equip and do that what we need to do. So it's important to have these things. But that's just the tools for doing the work of the ministry. The word says, do you not know, 1 Corinthians 6? That your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you've received from God. You are not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Amen. Honor God with your bodies. Acts 17 says, The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth. He does not live in temples built by human hands. So God doesn't live in places that we build. God comes and He will fill the place. But He doesn't live here. He lives in us. In other words, when we say we build God's house, we mean we build people. Amen? We build people. You can be louder than that. 
All right? The church is the body as a collective, as the gathering of the saints, because God's heartbeat is people. So what we do is we build people. And, and we have to be very intentional in what we do and how we do it. All right? What we do and how we do it, we need to be intentional because this is a principle. The more the detail, the more the glory. That's what it says that God gave Moses a specific instruction and plan. He gave him detail on the temple. And the detail when he followed it, he filled it with his glory. So, so today is just a little bit of a foundation. And one thing that I feel the Lord really wants to start stirring in our hearts. And we're going to build. Amen. So we build together. So one of the things that we need to understand it is we, it's time to build with vision. We need to build with vision. So, so Noah built the ark with plans. Come on, God gave him exact instructions, precise instructions on how to build, how to measure. Moses got exact um, um, plans on, on how, and he had to build it exactly as God revealed it. Noah had to do it, Moses had to do it, and we have to do it. So one thing if we need to build together is this, is we all need to believe in the vision. Amen? If we want to build together, we all need to believe in the vision. And believe, it's synonyms, is you have to be convinced. You have to trust the vision. Or you have to have confidence in it. Or, or you have to accept that what God wants to do. Proverbs 29, 18 in the, in the CSB translation says, Without revelation, people run wild. If there's no prophetic vision, people cast off restraint. But one who follows divine instruction will be happy. Amen? So there's instruction. There's, we, we don't run just aimlessly. We're going somewhere. And there's divine instruction. So the Lord is giving us a pattern. We follow the leading of the Holy Spirit and that what He gives us. And to the best of our ability, we'll keep on communicating and, and give you that picture and that wording as clear as possible that you can understand, that you can see where we're heading at and what God is doing. Part of what B Church is, is we, we have the slogan, but we say that, that we are formed to function. And I believe it's so that, that, that so many, the church has gone through many phases through the ages. But that God has created you. The blueprint is He's formed you to function. He's filled you with His Spirit. So, so you need to come to the life that God intended for you to live. To come to that fullness again. And I, I think we all can raise our hand and say, hey, we're not there yet. We're not at a place where we're living our God-intended lives. Where God has given you purpose and a design, but we haven't reached that fullness. So part of us, and, and the mission is usually how you get to your vision. But part of what we do is our goal is to remind you and equip you through the church and in us, the, the, the church, God's people, to be the means through which Jesus makes himself known. Come on. The word says we need to preach the gospel, but, but you have different environments. So, so to be the means in your workplace, in your environment, because you tomorrow, you walk into a place where I'll never be. So you cannot wait for the pastor to come and preach and be an example. Come on. Where you are, you have to be salt. You have to be light. You have to be proclaiming and, and you're ambassador of the kingdom. You have to represent. So where you go, you do that. So you have to believe in the vision that God has formed you to function fully, properly. Because that's what the word says. When you function, the body will start building itself up in love. So, so part of this is it's not difficult. Who knows the KISS principle? 
cookies. All right? If you're married, you have to know that principle, but it's not that. Sometimes it can apply to marriage as well. Keep it simple, stupid. All right? No fancy thing. Keep it simple, stupid. Kiss. In other words, we, we want to be simplistic and functional. We don't want to do all these airy, fairy, great things to get God's attention and glory here. When we are simplistic, we say, Lord, we step aside. We make room for you to come. We make room for your spirit to move. Because we say that, we sing that song, I will make room for you. And then we just, we plow ahead and we just do our thing, isn't it? But when we say, Holy Spirit, come, do you allow him to come and actually come and lead them? Or you say, Lord, I'm dependent on you, but you just do. You just go. So, so being simplistic and functional, we want to say, Lord, come and we make room for you to move and then see the glory of God. Amen. And what we do here needs to be our culture. It needs to be our philosophy. It needs to be not just a vision and a mission. It, it needs to be part of who you are. Amen. They say uh, strategy or, or your culture eats strategy for breakfast. That's what they say. Culture eats strategy for breakfast. Culture is created by either what you reward or what you allow. So, so we are going to build things by that what we see together and that what we allow. All right? In other words, you not just need to believe the vision. We all need to back the vision. Amen? We need to back the vision. Habakkuk 2 says this, The Lord answered me, write down the vision clearly, inscribe it on tablets so one may easily read it. So we want to make it clear that you can back it, that you understand what God calls, and you say, yes, we buy into, we want to see the glory. We want to have not lives that's more complicated. We want to have lives that's working, that's functional, that's whole, that is complete. That when I walk into a place, because I finally understand that what I carry, that when I walk, something shifts, something is released. Something changes the environment because I start to understand what God has called me to be. Come on. Presence is imparted through, through your speech as well. So when you walk in and you start speaking, Jesus says, John 6, my words are spirit and they are life. And when you start speaking, you release spirit and life. And that you need to understand what you carry. Amen. So we all need to brag about the vision. One of the things. Amen. You have to brag about what God wants to do for you. And we all need to run with the vision. That's what it says. You have to run with the vision. So, so one, time to build with vision. The second part, it, it, it takes a village to build God's house. Okay, one. You can say amen, that's a good play. It takes a village to build God's house. In other words, we need unity. We cannot do it alone. Each of us is necessary to build. Psalm 133 says how good and how pleasant it is when brothers dwell together and dwell means you live not let's just get two together to agree no we live together in unity there's a thing that we always say together we are better don't do church alone in other words we need fellowship we need the binding we need family you have to connect with people amen come on say don't do church alone together we're better Together we're better. Amen. Amen. In other words, we need one another and we need unity. And it takes a village to build a house. In other words, you need to utilize your gift for the house. You need to use, utilize your gift for the vision. 
You need to utilize your skill for the vision. Come on. We have different skills. You have to utilize your time for the vision. Amen. You have to utilize your resources for the vision. All these things. We have to come and give to the vision. Because remember, it's not our vision. It's we're building that what wants to glorify God. We're building something that we say, Lord, we put the focus back on you. And to be the glory and the fullness. That's what Paul says. But we all grow up and we all become the fullness of the stature of Christ again. Amen. Third point, and then I'm going to just touch on what the Lord wants to speak. The vision requires involvement. Partners to build. There's a part in 2 Chronicles when, when, when Solomon now needs to build a temple. Remember David, man after God's own heart, wanted to build a temple. God says, you're a man of bloodshed. And, and, and that what is in bloodshed, I cannot make it permanent. So you're not going to build the temple. Your son Solomon, a man of peace, he's going to build the temple. And the word says David is a man after God's own heart. Why? Not because he worshipped. Because it says that when he realized that he's not going to build a temple, he says he gathered all the materials and all the funds and he raised all the monies and gathered everything to make sure Solomon could not fail. You see, he was a man after his own heart because he didn't live for this generation. He lived for the generations he did not see. And it says that he made sure to gather everything. In other words, he collected everything so that God's house can be built. And now, 2 Chronicles, it says that Solomon needs to build. Let's just read that. 2 Chronicles 2.1. Solomon proposed to build, or, or, or purposed to build a temple for the name of the Lord. And a royal palace for himself. And Solomon assigned 70,000 men to bear burdens, 80,000 to quarry in the hill country, 3,600 to oversee them. And Solomon sent word to Hiram, the king of Tyre, As you dealt with David my father and sent him cedar to build himself a house to dwell in, so deal with me. The house that I'm about to build will be great, for our God is greater than all gods. Who is able to build him a house? Since heaven, even the highest heaven, cannot contain him. Who am I to build a house for him except as a place to make offerings before him? So now send me a man skilled in, to work in gold and silver and bronze. And then he tells all his needs whom David, my father, provided. So Solomon says that we're going to build something. But it's not because God doesn't dwell. Who can contain him? Heaven cannot. But we're building a place where he will come and accept our offering and that would we bring unto the Lord. So we come to him with something specific. But he says, I need your help as you supplied my father David and he has done many things. I need you. So we need people and we need resources. We need partners to build. And he says, very specific, I need this and this and this. And he sends help and he says, where you have and where you say you have great wood, the cedar wood, send that to me. And make available men who can cut the wood and do these things. So we ask for specific help. And he says, I need people that can work in the gold and in the silver and the bronze. So we need specific things as well. Amen. So as a family, we need to partner together to reach our community with Jesus. We can only reach the community if we have a vision for the community. We're not going to reach them if we don't have a vision for them. So therefore, we together must partner together and work together for a vision for this community. The area. 
I believe that God wants to take the city again. Amen. God wants the church to grow. The principle is this healthy things grow. God wants to bless and prosper and grow. Who of you have vegetable gardens? Okay, why? Because you want it to grow, ne? you want to eat. So, so the same way we do certain things because we want it to grow. All right? So we need to cultivate certain cultures. We need to cultivate that what God wants to do. So we need you all to help us to cultivate the culture of what, what God wants to do here. A culture of invitation. A culture where we intercede for the vision of the church. Where we are all involved in what God wants to do. Where we implement the teachings and we, we live the vision. We live it out and then we reproduce it by discipleship. Amen. Are you with me? So there's one thing that I want to focus on then we're going to be done. Is, is we need to build this vision. So what we're doing here is greater than us. That's what we need to realize. It's not just for us. It's something that's much bigger. And the Lord has been speaking to many, uh, many weeks now out of the book of Deuteronomy 12. And the heading is the worship that God commands. God desires. Now remember, as we come and we worship and that what we do, God commands certain things. Again, here's a pattern and a blueprint of what God says. This is how I want it. So like the pattern of the tabernacle, like the pattern of the ark that he gave Noah, God says, when you come now, because here Israel is now at the brink of entering the promised land. They've been in Egypt. They've been slaves. I just, in this week, we were talking on the conference and I was just thinking again, 400 years slaves in Egypt. And God delivers and says, I'm going to save you, save you. And finally, they are saved and they go through a miracle through the Red Sea. And this side of the Red Sea, boom, another 40 years wandering in the desert. I'm like, man, God, are you joking? 400 years of slaves and then another 40 years. And now after 40 years, they're about to enter the promise. But they've seen examples. They've been 400 years of, in idolatry and pagan worship and all these things. And now God comes and he says, this is the worship that I command. All right. Verse 1 to 4. I'm going to read it quickly for background. These are the statues and the judgments which you shall be careful to observe in the land which the Lord God your fathers is giving to you to possess all the days that you live on the earth. You shall utterly destroy all the places where the nations which you shall dispossess serve their gods. On the high mountains and on the hills and under every green tree. Yes, just imagine, eh? 40 years in the wilderness and God says, every green tree you need to destroy. You shall destroy their altars, break sacred pillars, burn their wooden images with fire. You shall cut down the carved images and their gods and destroy their names from that place. You shall not worship the Lord your God with such things. You shall utterly destroy such places. You see, so, so God comes and he says that when you inherit, remember, there were not many buildings in those days. So ancient cities, they have a temple, they have a place of worship. So the easiest is, hey, we, we, con com we, we, we fight them, we overcome them, we kill them, and now we just come and we use that building and we serve our God. We just put him there, all the statues and all the things, and now that's our place of worship. And God says, hey, there must be a place where you worship me, but you're going to not worship me. You have to destroy the places of ungodly worship. All right? In other words, that, that, that 
you shall not worship me with such things, he says. And many times our worship is corrupted because not that we worship too much or that we worship too little, but it's sometimes it's we worship God and all the things of the world. That's what the Lord has been speaking to me, that, that if we're going somewhere, if we want God's attention, there's a worship that He commands. There's a worship that He desires so that we want to see Him. Amen. We want to see God's glory. I have a hunger for God's glory to come. And he says that we cannot do it as the pagans have done it. In other words, Pastor Eckhart has said it so beautifully a couple of weeks back. Worship and spirit and truth. Amen. John 4. If we can only destroy the pagan or idle places in our hearts. What is there in your heart that's maybe still an idol or a pagan place? You see, sometimes we give our hearts to so many other things that there's little room for God. And I believe one of the things, if God says, destroy those places, He speaks of our condition of our heart in this day and this season and say, look at your heart and what is still taking place where you need to maybe destroy those places so that God can have everything. Amen. Paul says even that sometimes we even, it's so easy like this, we're restricted by our own affections, our emotions, what other people, because some can worship freely. Some of us, we're still shy. I remember when my father-in-law, when they got born again out of the traditional church, and, and, and as he grew, I mean, they were very rigid. I mean, you sing and all these things, so they were standing, but, but I'm leading worship. So I'm seeing him, you know, he's standing like this for a couple of months. And then I saw that little finger, you know, he's sketching beat. And then little, I see, you know, they get some beat like that. And then a couple of months later, the hand's here. Huh? And then later it's there. So some of us, we need time to get free from our molds, isn't it? And sometimes you are free, but you are more bound by what you think people are going to think of you. Sometimes that's our problem. And, and our actual problem is actually that we're stuck in our perception of what we think other people's perceptions are of us. Come on. And that's what God wants to break. Because the word says where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And I don't know if you've noticed, but, but there's been sporadic births of freedom and worship where, where we're getting there. Come on. Where God's doing some things. And that's great. I want to encourage you. But for those who are still a bit stuck, you know, that's why we switch off the lights that you can at least, you know, lift your hands. So one is, is God says there's a way. And then he says that the command to worship at an appointed place, verse, verse 5 to 9, but you shall seek the place where the Lord God chooses. Remember, so he says, not when you go, you destroy all places. You're not going to use an old temple and just stick me now in there. You're going to come and you'll seek me in the place that I choose out of all your tribes to put his name for his dwelling place. And there you shall go. And there you shall take your burnt offerings, your sacrifices, your tithes, your heave offerings of your hand, your vowed offerings, your free will offerings, the firstborn of your herds and flocks. And there you shall eat before the Lord your God and you shall rejoice in all to which you have put your hand and you and your households in which the Lord has blessed you. Listen to this. You shall not at all do as we are doing here today. 
every man doing whatever is right in his own eyes. For as you have not yet come to the rest and the inheritance which the Lord is giving you. And he says, there you shall go where the Lord chooses. In other words, our worship is, is not left to the opinion of the individual. That's what God says. Because some say, I worship God here and I worship God great in my house. And others say, I'll worship God on the golf course. All these things. But the Lord says here he had a prescribed place among all the other worshipers. He says, I have a place that I choose. Not that we choose, I choose. You see, worship is not a do as I please. A Lone Ranger thing, come on. It is a collective thing that, that, that when we come, and he says, it's a, we go to the place where God chooses. Because many people say, yeah, but I'll stream or I have my podcast or I have my pastor. But he sits there online in, in uh, somewhat Stephen Furtick or whatever. He's not there in time of trouble. All right. Maybe he gives you some input and word and grow your spirit. But God says there's a place. Hebrews 10, he says, 24 and 20, 25, he says, Let us consider how to stir up one another with love and good works. Some people have forgotten out of the habit of meeting for worship, but we must not do that. He says, some have neglected the gathering of the saints. God commands us to gather together. This is not just because we like it. God commands us. If there's instruction how we worship, He says, there's a gathering of His, because why? I've said it before, we are the body and you cannot be the body individually. It's the gathering, the ecclesia means the coming together. Amen. Let me give you one example. What happens if we try not to go to the prescribed place? Genesis 49. I'll be seven and a half more minutes. Okay. Genesis 49, 19 says this. Raiders shall raid Gad, but he shall raid at their heels. The King James says it better. It says Gad... A troop shall overcome him, but he shall overcome the last. Gad, a troop shall overcome him. Jacob blesses his sons and all the people. And he says over Gad, a troop shall overcome him, but he shall overcome the last. In other words, but he in the end will overcome the troop. Come on. What comes to mind when you hear Gad? All right, let me help you. When Jesus crosses the water, he goes to the possessed man with the legion, the Gadareans. All right? The man of Gad, the madman who was in the tombs, bound, and the, the district was bound by a demonic force. Why? Gad, a troop. And another word for troop is a legion. So it was prophesied by the blessing of Jacob that he says, Gad, a troop, a legion will overcome you, but in the end you will overcome. What did Jesus go and do? He went to deliver a whole entire city because that spirit controlled the environment, the economy and everything. And Jesus went to deliver that region again. But why? Because when they took the promised land and said, there's a prescribed place, the place I choose, Gad was far from the temple. 
So they became tired of traveling that distance to the temple. And they built their own altars. And they said, we'll sacrifice here and we'll do our own things here. But what happens if you don't maintain an altar? An altar needs to be occupied. So what happens is it became a demonic entity. And the troops started to rule the region. Because they did their own things, not the prescribed way, as God says. So one of, you shall seek the place. And I know it's far to travel for some people. But God roots and plants you here. That's where you need to be. That's where you need to come. And he says, so Gad shall overcome. So God comes, Jesus comes, and he delivers and he restores. He redeems a whole city again so that their worship can be restored, that the economy can be restored, that the curse can be broken. Come on, so, so God comes and he commands a way. Therefore, what God says, God means what he says. God's serious about what he says. And God doesn't follow us to, to, to follow him in isolation. Let me just tell you this testimony. So another seven minutes, please. Oh, who will give me five? Okay, five, 10, 15, 20. Thank you. Amen. All right. <clears throat> when we were married... We got married, went on honeymoon, and two weeks after we came back, we were both retrenched. You know, it took us a couple of years to finally get married because we live by faith. And then I like, God, you've got a sense of humor. After getting married, coming back, there you retrench us, back to square one, living by faith. And God supplied, but we were faithful. I was leading worship, morning and evening services uh, into a church there. Yeah, in Bobsontain. We stayed in the other side of Centurion. It was just below 50 kilometers for us to, to go. And we didn't have money. So, so what we will do, because we serve a vision and we were faithful, we'll go early morning. That time, then we have to pack out the sound. Sometimes I had to do the sound myself. And then we'll worship. Then we have to wait for the evening service because we have to be back on duty. We didn't have money. So we'll wave at everyone, they'll lock the church, and we will sleep in the mother's room, waiting for evening to come, because we didn't have money. There was a garage next door, so we'll go and we'll buy a fed cook or slap chips and a Russian or whatever, and we'll share. And then we'll sit and wait for evening service. And then after that, we'll go home. Next morning, we have nothing, no work, nothing. But we remain faithful, and we remain in the place where... Traveling even far, we, we did whatever it cost us. Because God planted us in that season, in that place. So if God says, there's a place we need to be, I want to encourage you, be faithful and be here. Don't report to us, report on duty for the Lord. That's what God wants to do in your life. Come on. And God did something with us. But we can be trusted because we've been through the hardships. We've been faithful when we had nothing. And we can be faithful when we have everything as well. Look at how blessed we are. Amen. It was for a couple of years that we also stayed here and, you know, after service, slept here and wait for evening service. But the environment changed. But I want to encourage you. Come on, your life belongs to the Lord. Let's end off. There you shall take your burnt offerings and your sacrifices. What is the sacrifice for? The sacrifice was for the restitution of sins. 
for them to receive forgiveness. So, so God says that when you worship, it's in my prescribed place. You have to break down the idols of your heart. And that's what takes place. You have to go to that what I choose. And first of all, when you come with your sacrifice, it's to be reunited. It's to be restituted. It's to be cleansed. It's to be forgiven. It's to receive atonement from the Lord. Amen. And then he says, and there you take your tithe. So that's your first place of giving. That's what the Lord says. We can be, and we're not going to go into that today. He says that you can be generous in many other places. You can choose to give. He says, but when you want the Lord's attention, you have to take your tithe to that place that I prescribed. That's what he says there. So, so here where he prescribes this is your first place of giving. The first place that you bring your offering unto the Lord. And then he says this. Then you shall eat. So giving starts at the place of worship. Then he says, there you shall eat before the Lord your God. In other words, it's not just your place of atonement and receiving forgiveness and being cleansed. It's not just your place of firstly give unto the Lord. He says, this is the place where your joy and your fellowship need to take place. This is the place where joy comes. Fellowship, God, others. Amen. Disciples are not made in boardrooms. Disciples are made around tables. We have to eat together. So there's the fellowship. And then he says, not doing as we do, every man doing whatever is right in his own eyes. Before they crossed the Jordan, they did their own worship and their own little things and they had their programs and tribes. And God says, when we enter into a promise, when we go now, don't do as you think. Don't do it what you think is right in your own eyes. Let's come and do what God once and that's the thing worship is not a matter of what's pleasing to us real worship is concerned with what pleases God what pleases God I'm going to start ending off this too much because a lot of the worship what we do what we call worship isn't worship it's self-focused it's man-focused it's my personal experience focused instead of being God focused. Real worship is concerned with that what pleases the Lord. It was known with the joy, joy, joy. Actually, it wasn't just known by the joy. We don't have time to go in there. But God says, when you go, I actually command you to have joy. It was a command to be joyful. You shall rejoice. You shall rejoice. meant to share in fellowship and then he speaks of how we should worship and what he actually then ends off let me end off with that is the way when we worship together is in spirit and in truth he says be careful to observe that what I've given hold on he says don't add don't take away observe that what I've given in other words there's a worship reflected in God's word so it's not our human opinion or our preference. And that's just the heart that I want to come to this morning. Is that when we gather, do you really have a heart that says, Lord, when I come, I want to do that what is pleasing unto you? Or do you come with a heart to say, I don't feel great today. I need a song to uplift me. 
I need this or I need that or I need motivation or oh, I need a vibe. That's all great. Fellowship and the the gathering together is there for, for bearing one another's burdens. That's what it's for. But when it comes to the worship that God commands, God seeks a heart that's His. God says that there's a prescribed way to bring to Him that it's all His focus. To worship in spirit and truth. Amen. So when we come and we worship, we're building a vision. And what we're going to do is we need you all. And we need to take part of the vision. We need to believe in this. We need to build together, create a culture. But creating a culture is that what we reward or allow or what we focus on. So one of the cultures is when we worship is we're going to come and do that what pleases Him. Amen. We're going to do what pleases Him. And therefore we need you to destroy any idols in your heart. We need you to say, Lord, I come not as the others did. But I come today to, to do that what you call me to do. And that it's a place for you as atonement and forgiveness. A place of giving. A place of joy and fellowship. A place that's God-focused. A place that reflects Him. A place that's concerned with that what's pleasing unto Him. As we end off, you look like what you worship. You look like what you worship. So the more we start to behold Him, the more we start going to reflect Him. Amen. And that's when God started to speak to me about the glorious church and the word that I released. Because God wants to change the face of the church again. That we can see the glory. We can see Him. He says with unveiled face. Let's just stand together. Father, we desire a fullness that's only found in you. And Father, this morning we just come and just lift your hands to the Lord or stretch it out or wherever you're comfortable. But just to say, Lord, this morning where God has spoken to you, I believe the word spoke to you. And maybe there's something you need to surrender in your heart to say, Lord, I don't want my heart to be filled with many other things. I want my heart to be filled with your fullness. And that we will bring the worship. Maybe the Lord has been speaking to you that maybe it's a price that you pay in this season to travel. or But that you will do whatever it takes to say, Lord, I'm abiding in your process. I'm buying into the vision that you want to do. That we can come to fullness and glory. Your word says you want to fill the earth with your glory. But then we need to follow God's ways. Certain things God gives us freedom, but there's certain things that God says, you have to follow my instruction. You have to follow my prescribed ways. But Lord, this is our desire that as we behold you, we will become more like you. And therefore, Father, I just ask that this morning you will fix hearts and fix eyes to turn back to you. Not to complain, not to see, or not to look at circumstances, or people, or words, or whatever the case may be. But that this morning, we come to fix our hearts and our eyes again. On the one that we love. On the reason why we are here. The one who has saved us and redeemed us. Has called us his very own. 
And in that, we just want to bring a response back to you in that fullness, in that worship that glorifies you. So Father, touch every heart and, and speak in this week. Maybe it comes to mind during the week. Little things that we do that God says, destroy that place. Destroy that idol. Destroy that thinking. Destroy that manner. So that our lives can be a holy sacrifice unto you. Father, you love us. And thank you, Lord, for shaping us. So Father, I bless everyone here that they will know your fullness in this week. And that they will get to grow to the fullness of the stature of Christ. Father, provide in every need and come and just supply, Lord, whatever they lack in, that there will be no shortfall. You have said that this, this morning in your word, all the gold and all the silver is yours. And Father, I pray that you will even shake the nations, shake, so that that what is needed to be released, that it will come to your people and that you will supply that. Thank you for your spirit. We give you honor and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Amen. I trust that you are blessed. We love you much. And we're going to build together. Amen. All right. Just before we go, we, we, we want to just do a bit of branding. And um, so we have proper golf shirts and there's t-shirts so if you would like um, please just go and quickly fit or just check a size that we know um, you know put it down with Tian if you want he'll give you the details and then uh, that we can order remember for the launch we would love to just have a bit of a vibe and being together and um, so if you want to be part of that there's both services morning and evening we have a guest minister so remember that but we would love for you to partake and just be that amen so we said brag about the vision. So go and, and, and wear that with pride. Amen. We love you. If anyone needs ministry, please come in this atmosphere. Let's just minister and trust God for breakthrough. Otherwise, go in this week and be blessed in the power of the Spirit of God. Amen. We love you. Be blessed. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you would like to know more about who we are and what we do, go visit lwpe.co.za. You are formed to function, so let's build.